MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Monday, September 20th, 2021. Today, Biden announces that LGBTQ veterans discharged for their sexual orientation are now eligible for veterans benefits. Beto O'Rourke is planning a run for the governor of Texas. The FEC has unanimously rejected Matt Gates's complaint regarding a Twitter shadow ban. Criminal investigators in Georgia are quietly building a case against Trump. The United States has its first same-sex wedding of a sitting governor. And a boogaloo boy gets 50 years in prison. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. It's a good news day today, Dana. I mean, that's why it sounds so chipper. Everything you just said, except one thing could be a little dark. Everything else is like good news on top of good news on top of good news. And then we're going to end the episode with good news. <laughs> yep. Yep. It's a good news day, which is good for a Monday. It is. And then uh, later, I'm going to be speaking with Dem candidate for Arizona Secretary of State, Adrian Fontes, about his run for office and the long delayed Crazy Times Carnival fraud it results. So that'll be interesting as well. And we have a great week coming up for you, too. Uh, and if yesterday, if you missed Mueller, she wrote or the MSW Book Club, episode two of Mary Trump's book, The Reckoning, I highly recommend you check them out. They're pretty quick episodes, um, but there's a lot of really good information in them. So thank you for listening if you if you have already and, and check it out if you haven't. And still thank you. Just Absolutely. Awesome. You know, one of the listeners, AG, asked on Twitter, I don't know if you saw this, of, you know, if they're listening to the book club, do they still need to read the book? And absolutely. It is a very poignant book. It's an important book. We don't cover everything verbatim, uh, page by page. And it's it's really good to help support the author that we know and love. So please continue to purchase if you have not. Uh, download it. It all helps out Mary's numbers. And you may find something really important in the book that we happen to miss. Yeah, 100%. Uh, and, and, you know, like Dana said, there's there's a lot of nuance in this book. And the writing that Mary does is so incredible. Um, whether it's just in your in your face or with her sense of humor or the the way she tells a story, um, so I, we really recommend picking. And it she's up. also like flipping places with Tucker Carlson on the New York Best Times seller list, so we can always <laughs> help her by with the numbers. So go yeah. buy a book, go yeah. buy a book just to tell Tucker Carlson to go fuck himself. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, good call, good call. All right, we have a lot of really great headlines to get to, so let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. I have chosen this as the lead story today because this had me ugly crying, happy tears on and off all day today. So tens of thousands of LGBTQ veterans forced from the military for their sexual orientation and given other than honorable discharges will now be able to receive full Veterans Affairs benefits despite their dismissal status under a new move set out to be announced Monday. A change comes as the country approaches the 10th anniversary of the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell, a law which forced nearly 14,000 service members out of the ranks for admitting their sexual orientation. But the impact of the new VA announcement goes further than just those individuals to potentially include troops who served before and after the law who may have been given bad performance reviews or intimidated into leaving the military because of their LGBTQ status. Outside advocates have estimated as many as 100,000 over the last 70 years, may have been involuntarily separated from the military based on their sexual orientation. Data on how many received other than honorable discharges is not available. 
According to sources familiar with the pending announcement, VA officials plan a series of reviews of those veterans' cases with a presumption in favor of granting them benefits. And this is what gets me, the presumption in favor of, Dana, because the VA has long, you know, up until recently been an organization of no, you know, right. trying to find a way to deny people's benefits. My my PTSD benefits for military sexual trauma took three denials over almost five years. Um, so when I read that, the presumption in favor of, um, it just it blew my mind. The announcement is going to be released Monday. That is the anniversary of the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal. And it includes VA Secretary Dennis McDonough asserting that department officials have the authority to award those individuals full VA benefits if their case warrants, regardless of their discharge status. The new move will extend VA medical care, health benefits, disability payouts, which are range from $144 to $3,500 a month, employment assistance, and other benefits that individuals previously blocked because of their other than honorable discharges. And other benefits include VA home loans without a down payment, and mm-hmm. they waive the um, origination fee. You can get your property taxes reduced or eliminated. You can get your student loans discharged if you have a certain disability percentage. You can uh, get paid for having your parents live with you or your dependent spouse or your children. In some states, your kids go to state school for free. If you're a 100 percent disabled veteran, there's so many benefits, Dana, um, that that these folks were locked out of before. Yeah. Department legal officials believe that the change will not require any new legislative action or policy statements because the department already has broad authority to interpret which veterans are eligible for services. White House officials are expected to mark the Don't Ask, Don't Tell repeal anniversary with an event and this announcement on Monday. I'm so happy about this lead story. I met so many veterans who have fought for this country and some discharged during Don't Ask, Don't Tell and before that. Um, And there was a witch hunt when that happened, too. They had people undercover in bars, you know, still trying to get people in trouble. Um, This has been traumatic for a lot of our military. And I'm so happy that they will get the support and benefits that they earned literally earned by protecting this country and fighting for our freedom. So thank you for kicking us off with that today. I have more good news, AG. The Federal Election Commission unanimously rejected a complaint by Mr. Gates, Mr. Rat, Mr. Mr. Rat, Mr. Rat Gates, this should be his name, uh, Matt Gates of Florida against, I don't know if you remember this, the social media giant. Yeah, Twitter. Remember that? That he alleged that the company violated campaign finance regulations by shadow banning him in 2018 which was complete bullshit. Anyway, so following a 2018 Vice report that Twitter had briefly subjected Gates and other Republican members of Congress to shadow bans, limiting the visibility of their accounts on the website search results, Gates filed a lengthy complaint against Twitter to the commission, and that was in July of 2018. So Twitter reversed the shadow ban within 24 hours, later explaining to the FEC that Gates was caught up in an automated process by the company to improve discourse on Twitter because his account was, quote, associated with other accounts that had already had high indications of misuse or abuse. So he was basically guilty by association at that point. All six commissioners ultimately agreed last month that there was absolutely no reason to believe Twitter had violated the law. So Gates' complaint also complained that Twitter was essentially a debate platform and was thus subject to FEC's regulations around political debates, which is really funny because the only reason it's a debate platform is because people can fucking agree on anything, not because it's a debate platform. This was a quote 
Twitter as a self-identified news organization (laughs) and as a recognized debate platform is a staging organization for candidate debates. That's what his complaint said, which is just the most ridiculous thing. The analysis found that Twitter had legitimate commercial reasons to limit the Twitter accounts, those uh, accounts' activity, due to concerns about divisive content, otherwise known as lies, (laughs) and from advertisers. Um, This is not the lies from advertisers, but they were concerned about the content from advertisers and that the messages sent on Twitter are not a debate within the meaning of the commission's regulations, because such debates must include a face-to-face appearance of the confrontations. (laughs) Yeah, so all six FEC members, and we haven't been able to get them to vote on shit. No kidding. pretty intense. Yeah. And still more good news as the former guy returns to Georgia later this month. Criminal investigators in the state have been quietly conducting interviews, collecting documents, and working to build a line of communication with congressional investigators as they aim to build a case against the former president for his attempts to overturn the state's 2020 election results. Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis kicked off her investigation with a splash earlier this year when she fired off a round of letters to Georgia officials asking them to preserve documents related to Trump just a month after she took office. Since then, her investigation into Trump's efforts to upend Georgia's election results have been more discreet as she juggles the early stages of the Trump probe with an avalanche of backlogged cases and rising violence in the Atlanta area. Quote, what I can tell you is that the Trump investigation is ongoing. As a district attorney, I do not have the right to look the other way on any crime that may have happened in my jurisdiction. She also said we have a team of lawyers that is dedicated to do that. But my number one priority is to make sure that we keep violent offenders off the street. So while the Fulton County investigation still appears to be in its early stages, investigators so far have obtained documents from the Georgia Secretary of State's office and interviewed a handful of its staff, spoken to other Georgia election officials about how elections are conducted and initiated conversations with congressional committees that could obtain information relevant to the Georgia probe. Like, oh, say that letter from Jeffrey Clark (laughs) that never got sent. Right. And And that's according to people familiar with the investigation. Uh, If Willis is able to gain access to that information from congressional committees, it could provide a mountain of documents relevant to her investigation and possibly help her avoid lengthy court battles if she were to seek similar information on her own. So this is why voting is so important. This is why it's so important that we have the majority in Congress in both houses is because now she doesn't have to subpoena the stuff and be blocked and go to court for years. Our Dems in Congress could just hand this shit over to her. Uh, Willis's probe spans not only Trump's activities, but a call between Senator Lindsey Graham and Raffensperger, Rudy Giuliani's allegations of election fraud before Georgia legislators, and the surprise departure of B.J. Pack from his role as U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia. A key area of focus, as we know, has been these phone calls uh, and his, his, you know, wanting to turn over the election results, asking for that certain amount of votes, 11,780. And the indication of the investigation is that's in its early stages. One of the indications is is that investigators have not yet spoken with higher profile officials like Raffensperger, Duncan and Mm -hmm. Georgia Governor Brian Kemp. Asked whether she hopes to strike a formal cooperation with congressional committees. She broke into a smile and said, oh, I hope so. (laughs) And she told reporters Wednesday, it is certainly information my office needs to see. The congressional committees are likely to get information that's extremely relevant to Willis's investigation and staff level conversations have already begun 
between her office and congressional committees. So hoo-hoo. I don't understand at this point why people wouldn't be distancing themselves more. You know what I mean? They're still going to bat. And I'm like, she's this is he's gonna go down. Like how it's, beautiful. Yeah, it's gonna take it's, it's gonna, gonna take, take a, a couple of years. Yes. Yeah. But uh mm-hmm. love to see it. Uh, more good news. We have more good news. Beto O'Rourke. He is preparing to run for governor of Texas in 2022. That's what we're saying with an announcement expected later this year. Now, O'Rourke's entry would give Democrats a high-profile candidate with a national fundraising network to challenge Greg Abbott. And it would give O'Rourke, a former three-term congressman from El Paso and, as we remember, a 2020 presidential candidate and voting rights activist, a path to a political comeback. A new poll, a new poll from the Dallas Morning News shows that O'Rourke has narrowed the gap with Abbott in a hypothetical matchup, and it is down now to a five-point difference at 37% to 42%. In July, O'Rourke faced a 12-point deficit. This has changed and swung seven percentage points Mm -hmm. since then. Now, speaking of governors, I loved this story, and he quoted the Princess Bride when he posted on (laughs) Facebook, which made me so happy. Uh, Governor, the governor, the Colorado governor, Jared Polis, has made history once again. So the reason this brings me so much joy is there was that bigoted baker that wouldn't make a wedding cake for those two gay men in Colorado, and then police got (laughs) elected. It's just all very beautiful, serendipitous. So the Democratic state leader, he married Marlon Reese, who was a writer and animal welfare advocate. He married his partner Wednesday at the University of Colorado campus in Boulder. It was a small Jewish ceremony. It was held outdoors and was officiated by Rabbi Tirza Firestone. I bet Tirza was wonderful. Uh, This is a quote, The greatest lesson we have learned over the past 18 months is that life as we know it can change in an instant. We are thankful for the opportunity to celebrate our life together as a married couple. The two men said that was their statement on social media. After 18 years together, we couldn't be happier to be married at last. Now, the wedding marks the first, the first same-sex marriage of a sitting U.S. governor. And I just love to see it. I'm just very happy with all this stuff starting off. And someone's going to jail, right, A.G.? Ooh, somebody's going to jail. One last quick piece of good news. On Friday, the Texarkana Gazette reported that Aaron Swenson, a far-right boogaloo activist, Nazi, has been sentenced to 50 years in prison after live-streaming his attempt to find police officers to assassinate. He live-streamed it. Good call. Smart boy. Quote, the jury took less than an hour to convict Swenson of attempted capital murder of a peace officer, reported Lynn LaRoe. Swenson pleaded guilty Wednesday to charges of felony evading arrest and terroristic threatening. The jury found Thursday that Swenson violated the Texas Hate Crimes Act and when he targeted law enforcement. That means he faces an enhanced punishment range on the terroristic threatening charge. The Texarkana Gazette went on to note that Swenson, quote, dressed himself in the typical garb of Boogaloo members, including a Hawaiian shirt and a green tactical vest, and armed himself with three firearms, a katana sword, and more than 150 rounds of ammunition on the night of April 11th, 2020. Jesus. Well, they don't have Hawaiian jumpsuits in prison, Aaron. No. Hmm. It's quite ironic, though. This Nazi lives west of the Federal Corrections Institution in Texarkana, so he's literally... Eastbound and down. Look at you. Next up, I'll have a conversation with the Democratic Secretary of State candidate in Arizona, Adrian Fontes, about his run for office and the long delayed Crazy Times Carnival fraud at results. Stay with us. The boys are thirsty in Atlanta, and there's beer in Texas.
Hey, Beans fam. It's Allison. Thanks for supporting the show. You know, I love good wines, and I've got a great recommendation for you today. If you want the wines that you love shipped right to your door, Lathwaite's is the way to go. A Lathwaite's wine subscription is an easy way to bring exciting new wines to your doorstep. You can unbox a world of wine with easy access to different and unexpected winemakers from across the globe. With a Lathwaite's wine subscription, you can say goodbye to boring overpriced bottles and hello to new wines from the hottest emerging wine regions around the world. The wines you receive are curated for you based on your enjoyment. Lathwaite's tastes over 40,000 wines a year, but only 600 make the cut, so you enjoy the cream of the crop. Each box includes tasting notes, food pairing tips, and serving inspiration. Um, subscriptions are flexible. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee, too. If you don't love a wine for any reason, Lathwaite's, you just let them know, they'll give you a refund. Now you can get six amazing bottles of wine, plus two bonus bottles and two stemless wine glasses for just $49.99 plus tax with free delivery. Just text the word BEANS to 64000. Again, to get this special offer, text the word BEANS to 64000. That's BEANS to 64000. Terms apply. Available at lathwaites.com slash terms. And there are some good things in life that I like to pick out myself, so I know I've got the one that's best for me. Like choosing my favorite dish from the menu of my favorite restaurant or some selecting some wines. You know, like I was just talking about, what if you could do the same thing for hiring? Choose your ideal candidate before they even apply. That is where ZipRecruiter's Invite to Apply comes in, and it gives you, as the hiring manager, the power to pick your favorites from top candidates. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. By posting a job on ZipRecruiter, you have access to millions of job seekers across over like 100 of the top job sites. And according to ZipRecruiter internal data, jobs where employees invite candidates to apply get two and a half times more candidates. ZipRecruiter's technology is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter Get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. So just check it out today, ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans, D-A-I-L-Y-B-E-A-N-S, all one word. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyBeans. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Everybody, welcome back. I am happy today to be joined by former Maricopa County recorder, who is running as a Democrat for the Secretary of State in Arizona. Please welcome Adrian Fontes. Adrian, hi again. Hey, Allison. Thanks for having me back. I'm so glad to have you back because I wanted to get an update uh, from the last time we talked and uh, about, you know, I grew up in Arizona. Arizona is very special and very important to me. My parents live there. Um, I'm very concerned about what's going on uh, in that state. And I want to talk about how important it's going to be to maintain a Democratic secretary of state, but also what's been going on with the what I've been calling the crazy times carnival fraud at uh, the cyber ninjas, uh, Logan and the, the CEO of Overstock. I mean, it's just a circus. And um, it was no I think no accident that there was an actual circus in the parking lot while that was happening. But uh, they're about to release their quote unquote findings. Um and we've heard numbers thrown around by the former guy and uh, some Republicans uh, there in the legislature. But can can you talk to us about sort of give us bring us back up like up to speed with where we're at and when this was supposed to come out and when it's going to come out? Well, first of all, again, thank you for having me. And secondly, let me start by saying that I think folks around the entire country ought to be concerned with this, uh, not unlike you are. Uh, and, and here's why. We've seen efforts to try to get this sort of a thing moving forward in a lot of other states uh, and a lot of other uh, extreme uh, seditionist legislators um, are uh, trying to figure out ways to make this happen. They're using this. They're calling this the Arizona model or something like that. So 
This is important nationally. It's not just an Arizona issue. Our, our democracy is under a full-fledged attack. They're at the walls looking for weaknesses. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why I'm running for secretary of state. But insofar as the this this exercise itself, I won't call it an audit. Uh, I, I like your Crazy Times Carnival uh, uh, imagery there because the, uh, the, the they were doing it at Veterans Memorial Coliseum, which is where we hold the state fair. Uh, and it used to be called the Madhouse on McDowell, yep, yep. where the Phoenix Suns used to play, if you remember, back in the old days. In any event, I do. Yeah, they were supposed to have this thing finished in May. Uh, there was delay, delay, delay. And, um, and and then that's because they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it really is that simple. They are not auditors. They never had a plan. They never had any sort of neutrality or sort of uh, arms, even an arm's length away from uh, any of what was going on. And I think your listeners are pretty well informed on that. So I won't get too much into the details on those things. But at the end of the day, this is grift par excellence. I don't know any other way that we've ever seen American politics used and the democratic system itself, the electoral system itself used to make people private money, to make themselves rich after an election. Now, we've seen a lot of political consultants on the front side and you know, there's always a little scandal here and there about too many people making too much money on politics, but we've never seen it after an election. We've never seen it as an attack against our own democracy where people are making private money. And believe you me, people are making a lot of money on this. Uh, even some of the folks who were quote unquote floor monitors, uh, some of the public papers that have been made public revealed, the folks who were walking around making sure the volunteers did their job right, they were getting paid $100 an hour to do that. And if you think that's not, uh, uh, if you don't think that's a big deal, then, then think about what Doug Logan himself is probably pocketing while he's tooting around on his private jet. And oh, by the way, now refusing to turn over any of the documents that he's already been ordered by the court to turn over regarding um, any discussions of payment, their subcontractors and things of this nature as well. So they're delaying because they're making money off of it. The Republicans who are running for various offices in Arizona are making money off of this. This is a money-making scam at the expense of our democracy, and it's weakening the republic. That's what this is about. Their intention yeah. is to weaken the processes that they believe are going to hurt them because they are neo-authoritarians and they don't want the people to decide. And, and, and that is yeah. anti-American. So... Uh, I don't know if I answered your question, but you know, you're asking about stuff that's a little, little personal to me here. So, <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I, 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 I get, I get a little excited when I talk about this issue. Well, I do too, as a fellow veteran, because, you know, we signed up to protect this right, the right to vote um, and the right to vote freely. So it is, it is very, it becomes very personal. Uh, at, uh, and it, it's personal to all Americans too, though, not just, not just veterans. No, and, but, and without, without a question, I mean, you know, and, and the other aspect for me is, you know, when I was the county recorder, I, I created the system. I'm the chief architect of what they're auditing, the new tabulation mm -hmm. system, the electronic adjudication, the actual ballots themselves. This was my election. And so for, you know, as a veteran, yeah, I'm offended by it, but these guys are clowning around with the folks that I hired, the volunteers that we coordinated, the people that we supported through our leadership infrastructure to make the election happen, Republicans and Democrats alike, 
And so it, it's hard to watch something that was so good, so successful with such high turnout and with such a quick tabulation at the end. It's hard to watch it every day get attacked by folks who are lying, literally lying about what is happening right now. Yeah. And lying to make money. And as you said, you, you think that this delay, I think results were due out in May and then they were due out again. And then there was somebody got COVID and nobody can answer any questions. I think it's coming out in a couple of or maybe September 24th. I can't remember the date. You can correct me on that. But uh, my concern or what I'm wondering is if they're delaying to continue the grift, do you think that they'll fabricate findings to be able to continue that grift or, or do they know that when they present that that it's pretty much over? Oh, no, they'll continue to fabricate. I mean, look, the Senate president just a day and a half ago uh, entered into an agreement with the County Board of Supervisors regarding the subpoenas on some routers. OK, that was in the news a lot. We want the routers. Donald Trump was yelling about we want the routers. And the agreement that they entered said that a special master would be appointed who could hire some technologists and that the cyber ninja slash quote unquote audit team could ask the special master for information off of the routers. And if those folks determined that there were no security issues or, or, or that it was relevant stuff, then that information would come back to the cyber ninjas. The cyber ninjas were not getting the routers. It's in black and white in the statement, in the settlement agreement itself. But these folks are so willing to lie that the Senate president herself, Wendy Rogers herself, another one of these folks, they tweeted out, we got the routers. They tweeted out, we got the routers. That's their language. They didn't get the routers. Wouldn't it be better to say, we didn't get the routers. They kept them from us. That's fishy. I mean, you know, not to give them ideas or anything, but. I mean, I mean, in a way, but think about it. If you're selling a lie, you've got to have a victory. You've got to have a victory in there somewhere. Mm -hmm. So they say, we got the routers because you helped us out. Now we got to continue on this other thing. Pitch in some more. You helped us. You helped this victory happen. Because if you keep losing, people are going to lose interest. But if you pretend like there's a victory in there, I mean, look at Donald Trump. It's classic Trump. Mm -hmm. Trump's supposed to be the most successful business guy since, since, you know, God created dirt. And he's failed at everything. But what does he say? I'm a tremendous business guy. I know business. I know negotiating like nobody else does. Blah, blah, blah. They lie to build the mythology. The mythology fuels this belief in their followers. And then those, their followers give them money. That's how this works. Yeah. So they've got to have a victory. So when they lie about their own agreement, you know they're going to lie about the results at the end because this is how they do it. Yeah. And they want to make more money. And the, the sad thing is this, you know, it's, and I'm not excusing any of what I'm about to say. You see grift and, and corruption when it comes to highways and, and, and healthcare stuff and, and education systems in our charter schools and things of this nature. And sometimes you're like, you know what? That's bad. Somebody should pay the price. Somebody should get prosecuted. But when they're doing it at the expense of our democracy, this isn't a couple hundred thousand dollars of taxpayer money we're talking about. No. This isn't a couple million dollars of taxpayers uh, of money we're talking about. We're talking about the very nature of our country. Mm-hmm. And that's what they're willing to lie to people about so they can make a couple of bucks. It's disgusting. Yeah. And do you think that uh, is it September 24th they're supposed to deliver these findings? No, man. If I had if I had a nickel for every time somebody asked me to make a prediction about what these guys are going to do or not, I'd be a wealthy man. (laughs) There's no way to know. There's no way to tell. They've said they were going to do it. The release it next Friday. Right. Now, one of the very interesting things about this is the word on the street 
here in Phoenix is that they have given a draft of some sort to the Senate's lawyers and that there's a team of people looking it over, basically jimmying up the report or, or doing stuff to the report because there are certain things they don't want to release. There are certain things that the, the, the word is that there are certain things they don't want people to know about or they, they want to emphasize, they want to frame differently uh, than what the cyber ninjas uh, submitted. And then the Senate will release its report. Oh, well, they should hire Bill Barr to to come in and <laughs> and uh, characterize the findings of the investigation. I mean, he's real good at that. Well, I'll tell you, it, it wouldn't surprise me if you hear his name by the end of next week. <laughs> but look, they know there's nothing wrong with the numbers. Okay. There can't be anything wrong with the numbers. Not even they count that poorly. Okay. They know there's not going to be any, any significant or statistically significant deviation in any of the numbers, right? Hand counts never work the same as, as, as machine counts because of human error. Uh, And so it's not going to be perfect, but the numbers are not going to raise any significant issues. The question uh, that a lot of people are looking at right now is, well, how could anybody have injected any ballots into this thing because of the more than 10,000 different kinds of ballot styles that Maricopa County had in the 2020 election? And my answer is, yeah, it would be almost impossible to inject enough to make any sort of a difference in our elections because this jurisdiction is so big. Moreover, we've got the cast vote record and they had the cast vote record. So as far as the specifics on numbers and those sorts of things, numbers of ballots, numbers of ballot styles, blah, 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 that stuff isn't going to be a problem. What they're going to come after is policy and procedure. They're going to come after the mushy stuff. Yeah. Right? yeah. They're going to come after the things that they can reframe. They can kind of characterize in odd ways. They're going to come after some of the things that folks aren't familiar with. Yeah, that's a, that was exactly my thought, is they would just come out with muddy findings that they could continue mm-hmm. to grift off of and, and, and probably redact the actual numbers to say, oh, that's personal private information. We can't share that. But, uh, you know, mm, yeah, and kind of go for those gray areas, keep, keeping, keeping the waters muddied, you know? Absolutely. And that, that's, that's ultimately their goal. And they're going to lie. Yeah, yeah. You know they're going to lie because they've lied already. So we, we, we cannot depend on anything that's going to come out of this from any, <clears throat> from any of these folks as anything that's going to have any credibility. And, and, and let, me, let, me, let me tell you why I'm very confident about that. The county itself, from under the authority of the Board of Supervisors, has already put out a significant amount of information. And when I say significant, I mean a lot of information regarding the way the election operates and why this audit is garbage. The Secretary of State, Democrat Katie Hobbs, she has put, and they're a four-to-one Republican board, by the way, uh, a, a Democratic Secretary of State Katie Hobbs has put out a significant amount of information about this, why what they're doing is not dependable and not relatable. And let me, the, the other person who put something out about this has come through an evolution on this thing. Now, and he's a very interesting character and particularly interesting to me because he's my successor in this office. The new Maricopa County recorder, Stephen Richard, hmm. back at this time of the year, a year ago, was trashing me, trashing the system, saying how corrupt this was and how terrible that was because he wasn't in the office. He was running to become the county recorder against me. And they did all of the things that they do. He attacked me personally. He went after my family. He went after my friends. He was a pretty horrible can- political candidate. And that having been said, he ended up winning. Okay, I was kind of busy. 
and, and I'll take the I'll take responsibility for the political part of it. But here's what ended up happening. If you watch his statements and the things that he said, once he got elected, his tone changed a little. Mm-hmm. And then he started familiarizing himself with the system. His tone changed a little more. And then once he got embedded in the system, learned about the career professionals in there, listened to them and figured out what was going on, he himself put out a several dozen page long report mm-hmm. not too long ago about why it is that this is one of the best systems in the country and why it is that the cyber ninjas are full of shit. Yeah, we read, we read pieces of it. And so that to me is really one of the most interesting developments through this whole thing where he has become one of the biggest cheerleaders for me and the work that I did. Now, he won't use my no. name because it doesn't do him any good politically. And that's fine. This is American politics. It's a blood sport. I don't really care. I'm on to bigger and better things. And I'd love, frankly, to work with him as Arizona's next secretary of state because he's not a dumb guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a fierce political opponent. And I will respect that in spite of the things he said about me. But I also respect the fact that he evolved into understanding how great this system is. And let me say one more thing about the system before we move to your next question. Maricopa County's 2020 election system is the single most highly scrutinized election in the history of this republic. And I would say perhaps in the history of any election anybody's ever held. And here's why. We didn't just do our own hand count audit. We didn't just have the Board of Supervisors do their own two audits. We've had non-government organizations from around the world. We've had bipartisan policy institutes in the United States. We've had partisan policy institutes or, you know, left-leaning or right-leaning party, party, uh, par- policy institutes looking at this. We've had the Department of Justice looking at our election system. We've had the Election Assistance Commission looking at our election system. We've had folks like the Brennan Center and the Election Center, all kinds of folks looking at this system, digging deeply into our processes and procedures. We've had, and that's not to count all of the litigation, all of the court cases, all of the rest of it, and not one single entity other than the cyber ninjas, not one single entity has indicated that there was anything wrong with this system. In fact, many of them are out there extolling the virtues of the system. And there's a lot of jurisdictions around the country who are looking at our system, the one that I built, to try to copy a lot of the different bits and pieces that'll fit within their their statutes. That's one of the greatest compliments a guy could ever have for the rest of his life. Right. I was going to say that has to feel good. And, 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 and those are the kinds of best practices we should be sharing with other states, not what Cyber Ninjas is doing. And briefly, you mentioned the DOJ, and I want to ask you about that, but I have to take a quick break. Will you stay with me? Absolutely. Thanks. Everybody will be right back. Hey, everybody, it's AG for the Beans. Adventure doesn't always have to mean a trip abroad or getting lost in the wilderness. Some of my favorite everyday adventures are getting lost in a book or discovering more about the world. And whether you're exploring the globe or the pages of that cozy novel, Everlane has premium essentials to outfit you in comfort. I love the versatility of Everlane. Their pieces can be used to dress up or dress down. You can wear them for anything, going out or relaxing in. I am a big fan of Everlane because they've been making quality clothing using sustainable materials in ethical factories since 2010. That's very important to us here at The Beans. Plus, they have transparent pricing and they share exactly how much their products cost to produce at each step. Um, Searching for the perfect pants? Everlane's denim stays comfortable and versatile all year long and is made from certified organic cotton at the world's cleanest denim factory with zero landfill waste. And for those beach days or pool parties, check out Everlane's sustainable swimwear collection made from 13,000 pounds 
of recycled plastic. Everlane accepts returns within 30 days of the ship date, and all uniform clothing comes with a 365-day guarantee. So go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up for 10% off your first order plus free shipping, and you get easy returns within 30 days of your ship date. That's 10% off your first order when you go to everlane.com slash dailybeans and sign up. And today's show is also brought to you by Nebbia. Uh, you know I love my shower. I just remodeled my bathroom. The one thing I kept was my Nebbia shower head. It's backed by some of the biggest names in Silicon Valley, including Tim Cook. It's designed by former Tesla, NASA, and Apple engineers who spent years researching and developing a shower experience that actually saves water and is anything but ordinary. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower is Nebbia's most advanced shower yet, with twice the coverage, but about half the water usage of standard shower heads. And despite using 45% less water, the spray is 81% more powerful. Nebbia's atomized droplets rinse shampoo and conditioner out of the thickest, longest hair. It's easy to install. If you can change a light bulb, you can install Nebbia by Moen. I love the Nebbia. My shower experience is now like an invigorating steam room combined with a shower and a waterfall. The Nebbia by Moen Spa Shower starts at just $1.99. And for the Daily Beans listeners, we have a deal. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at Nebbia.com will get 10% off all Nebbia products. Nebbia rarely does deals like this, so it's a great deal to jump on. Go to Nebbia.com slash beans. That's Nebbia, N-E-B-I-A dot com slash beans to check out what they have to offer. The first 100 people to use code BEANS at checkout will save 10% on all Nebbia products. The only exception to this is pre-order products, as Nebbia is currently offering free shipping in the U.S. on these products. Again, that's Nebbia.com slash beans and use code BEANS to save 10%. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with Adrian Fontes, Democratic candidate for Secretary of State in Arizona. And before the break, you had mentioned uh, all of these different entities looking into your processes and finding nothing wrong, uh, including the Department of Justice. And I wanted to just briefly ask you about the Department of Justice before I change topics here. Why haven't they? They wrote a pretty stern warning letter to the Republican Senate there about voter intimidation, uh, you know, and uh, possibly running afoul of federal election law. But they have not they have not filed suit. Uh, Do you have any further information for us about have you reached out to them? Why have they gotten back to you? Why haven't they filed a a lawsuit against the cyber ninjas here? Well, look, if I know anything about the Department of Justice and I I worked as a a CJA panel attorney um, against the Department of Justice uh, (laughs) for uh, several times, I do know this. Uh, the vast majority of the folks in in in, in the U.S. various U.S. attorneys' offices and the various departments, uh, departmental spaces within the DOJ, they're very very careful about what they do, uh, for the most part. At least that's my experience. And in this area, particularly with something that is so critical and so sensitive, not just from a political perspective, but from a perpetuation of the republic perspective, and I'm not being hyperbolic here. This is real. They are going to be very, very careful before they pull the trigger on anything. And that's not to say they're even, you know, putting any ammo in the cartridge. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, the Department of Justice is monitoring this very carefully. uh, And I think that they are positioning themselves very, very well. Um, And if there's anything that I know, it is that the new uh, our new attorney general is probably one of the smartest lawyers uh, slash judges uh, that we could have. And he's a very judicious, a very contemplative um, sort of a person. And anything that happens is going to have to go through him. So Merrick Garland, at the end of the day, is going to make the decisions and he will make them when he is ready. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, 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 I'm not going to pretend like I'm in their head, 
but I'm also not going to pretend like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to push them one way or the other. They'll, they'll, they'll go when they're ready. You're confident in, in whatever their decision is. Yeah, I am. Um, look, I'm, I'm, I'm not only am I confident in whatever their decision is, I have to say, you know, I have to be fair. I'm confident that Stephen Richard has come around. I'm confident in the 41 Republican board of supervisors that have seen these attacks. I'm confident in our voters. I'm confident in our systems because I believe in this country. I believe in our democracy. I believe in the people that make it up. And I believe that it is the single greatest system on the planet. I also believe that we've seen how weak it can be Mm. when we don't inform ourselves. If not, if any of that wasn't true, I would have no business running for secretary of state. If I didn't believe in this system, I wouldn't be running to promote it and perpetuate it. We have a great system. We have a great democracy. We just aren't understanding now that it has weaknesses. It has vulnerabilities. And those vulnerabilities are us. We are the weaknesses. We need to be strong. We need to be steadfast. We need to be informed as voters. And we need to believe in truth and real evidence. Uh, and, and, And that is a really romantic sounding perspective, but it's real. And for those of us who believe in it deeply, and it is that real for us, we've got to fight for it. And that's why I'm running for Secretary of State, because I genuinely believe that the perpetuation of this republic requires folks to understand that we have a good system. And it gets better as we move forward and we bring more people into the system Mm -hmm. versus doing what the other side wants to do and push people away from the system. Yeah. And, and, now let's talk about running for secretary of state, because, you know, as you said, the overwhelming amount of scrutiny that was, you know, brought down upon the system that you created uh, only to turn up the fact from both sides that uh, for both Republicans and Democrats, partisan and nonpartisan Department of Justice, et cetera, have found that it's really, truly amazing and worked beautifully. Uh, is, I think, one of the best things that could propel you into the secretary of state position. Uh, but I, I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about why the secretary of state in Arizona is so very critical, particularly in coming election years. Well, there's, uh, so we'll start with the big picture. Secretaries of state in various states across the union have different roles. In some states, they are the actual election administrator. They actually do elections or they're the actual registrar of voters. They actually own the registration roles and are the gatekeepers for voters. In other states, like in Arizona, the secretary of state is a chief regulator. This is the person who establishes greater policies that are to be applied by the counties who actually run elections. Uh, You see, our statute bifurcates election functions. The county recorder, which is like a clerk and recorder in in some states like California, the county recorder is the registrar of voters, not the secretary of state. And while the Help America Vote Act requires the secretary of state to keep a list of registered voters, The actual registrar, the person who does the work and is the person who keeps the rolls, is the recorder. Some of the other functions uh, of elections, uh, poll worker, all the poll worker stuff, all the polling place stuff, a lot of the ballot stuff, by statute, all of that belongs to the Board of Supervisors, who are effectively the county election board. They appoint an election director. That's how the statute is built. Okay, and there's 15 counties in Arizona. The Secretary of State is the person who operates adjacent to the counties and really functions as a resource, as a help, 
um, and as a regulator. So the Secretary of State, before every election, will travel the entire state and make sure that all of the tabulation machines go through what's called a logic and accuracy test. They will take pre-marked ballots specific to the county with an understanding of exactly what those ballots show, and they will test the tabulation equipment to make sure that you're getting the right numbers. Once the equipment is tested, it is, it is sealed and then used in the election. And oftentimes we'll go through a logic and accuracy test on the backside uh, just to make sure that nothing was messed with. And those sorts of things, right? The secretary promulgates the election procedures manual. We have a set of statutes in Arizona that tells us how the counties are to operate the elections by statute. But at the same time, we have this procedures manual that takes care of a whole bunch of the other stuff so that our statutes don't get bogged down with tiny details like what the rubber band color is supposed to look like on this thing or you know what the size of paper on that thing is supposed to look like, right? So these are important pieces of the puzzle so that if there's litigation at the end, we can have some process that folks can look at to make sure that the counties did what they were supposed to do. The secretary helps make up those rules. There's other duties that the secretary of state does as well. Uh, for example, in Arizona, we have a 13 one and one voter registration system. 13 of the counties use the exact same voter registration system, and that is administered by, uh, or at least uh, the, cust the custodian of that system is the secretary of state, because a lot of these counties are completely underfunded. They don't have the tax base, or at least the boards of supervisors don't support the county recorders to have their own voter registration system, which they should. So the Secretary of State has this system for 13 counties. Pima County, which is where uh, centered in Tucson, and Maricopa County, which of course is the biggest by a large margin, mm -hmm. have their own voter registration systems that communicate directly with that quote-unquote statewide system. So it's a 13-1-1 system. The Secretary is critically important in making sure that as we support the system, we being the counties, I still use that language, uh, then the secretary's office makes sure that that all works well. So that's a lot of the minutiae, a lot of the detail, a lot of the bits and pieces. Uh, but the secretary is also the lieutenant governor. And so in the absence of uh, the governor, uh, then the secretary of state is the acting governor. Mm -hmm. The secretary runs the libraries and archives, runs the state museum, does a lot of other stuff like take care of notaries and the registry of charities for veterans, as a matter of fact, something you might be interested in. Yes. And so the secretary does a lot of those ministerial duties also, you know, compliance with the Geneva Conventions and a lot of these other <laughs> obscure, uh, the keeper of the seal uh, of the state of Arizona. I know, yeah, I know yeah. the five C's. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. What are they? Uh, uh, okay. Uh oh, on the spot. Citrus, cattle, cotton, copper, climate. There you go. Right. And there's a there's a sixth C that I'm going to be lobbying for. Yeah. Chimichangas, oh, because yes. uh, the chimichangas were created here in Arizona, as you well know. That is excellent, an excellent idea, and, and I, I that you should. I hope that's on your platform. Um, uh, it, it's important to me. Um, there are many other important things, though, and I want to talk for another minute before I let you go about you know being county recorder. How does that sort of? Uh, I mean, some of the more obvious reasons qualifies you to be Secretary of State, but. Is there anything that uh, you want to talk about with that experience or your experience as a military veteran uh, that, that qualifies you to be secretary of state? Well, I think what's what's important here is that, you know, Arizona is is, is a purple state. We're not red anymore and, and we're not going to be any any shade of, of dark blue anytime soon. 
but we've got to be able to work with folks across the aisle. You know, I've had uh, the privilege of working with a four to one Republican board of supervisors, and we completely revolutionized the election system in the second largest voting jurisdiction in the United States of America. And we did it in four short years. And we worked together pretty well with those guys. Um, You know, and Arizona needs to have statewide officers who understand the state. I was born and raised down on the Mexican border in Nogales, Arizona. Mm -hmm. I was a counselor at a private high school in Cornville, Arizona, but you didn't even know. You might have known there's a Cornville. I know Cornville, but I've never been to Cornville. Well, you've been on the other side of Mingus Mountain uh, to Prescott, which is where I got recruited to enlist in the Marine Corps. Oh, and when okay. I was when I, yeah, and when I was an active duty Marine, I got stationed in Yuma, Arizona. Mm. So I was with VMA five thirteen and the Marine, uh, the Third Marine Air Wing, uh, with a Harrier squadron there. Uh, you know, so I know Arizona well. As a matter of fact, when I left office early this year, I was the chief deputy recorder for the Pima County Recorder in Tucson, down in Wildcat Country, for several months, helping that newly elected. Uh, uh, county recorder transition into office, working to make sure that her vision got the, at least the beginnings of implementation across that institution and to help move them towards a lot of the programs that she wanted to adopt down there that we had created here in Maricopa County. But more than any of that, you know, what, what and, and being CIRA certified, which is the highest qualification you can get as an election administrator, you know, being an attorney, that, that, that there's, there's a lot of things that qualify me for this office. But I think the single most important thing that qualifies me to be Secretary of State is the fact that I'm really, really, really concerned with the fact that there are neo-fascists, seditionists, uh, and people who want to deny folks the right to vote running against me. I mean, one of the guys running against me as a Republican was at the nation's capital on January 6th. He was there. And he is alleged to be one of the active organizers with Ali Alexander and, and, and Congressman Biggs and some of those guys. He's dangerous. One of the other Republicans running wanted to take Arizona's electoral college votes out of the will of the, of the voters. Mm-hmm. She wanted to make the legislature appoint electors based on what the legislature wants, and taking that presidential vote away from the citizens, essentially. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, this is this is the kind of people that we're up against. And so, you know, I, I would encourage your Arizona listeners to go to electfontish.com because they'll be able to sign the petition to get me on the ballot. Uh, and, and if I could be so bold as to ask all of your listeners to consider contributing to the campaign, because we're fighting against the worst Trumpism, or the worst of Trumpism right here in Arizona. We're fighting against the worst of the misinformation and disinformation that's coming out of our own Arizona State Senate. Mm-hmm. And trust you me, this is going to go to other places in the country if they are at all successful. And if we're not able to get our message out, we're not able to fight hard enough. One of these kinds of people is going to end up having control over millions of Arizona votes and whether those selections get certified or not. Mm-hmm. Imagine a seditionist as secretary of state who refuses to certify an election. Do we end up with an Arizona being an outlier? in the 2024 presidential election where we don't know or we don't get electors assigned to Congress. Yeah, we used to joke uh, people would be in, in, in 2020, people would be like, oh, but what if what if they just throw out the, the Biden electors and, and appoint their own electors like Trump? And we were like, that doesn't have that can't happen. I mean, imagine that. 
you 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 have everybody in the state vote and then the legislature wants if they want to pass a law saying it's up to the legislature and not up to the voters go ahead have at it try it and now here we are they're trying it they did they presented a piece of legislation luckily one of the republicans said no Whew. because he's going to he's going to be running for election luckily we got saved by one of the republicans and I want to kind of, I, I know we're getting ready to wrap here. I want to finish on a very important note. Yes, please. It's not all Republicans who think like this. It's not all independents or conservatives who think like these seditionists do. There are plenty of folks in Arizona who do not like the fact that a gallows was erected outside of our Capitol and that the vice president and Nancy Pelosi were potential victims. There's a lot of Republicans out there who are real patriots. They don't run around waving flags and singing slogans. They actually read and understand the Constitution. They'll listen to people on the other side of the aisle. They'll pay attention to the fact that we're all in this together and that we are all Americans first. So let's not forget that while I may or may not have end up with a primary, that at the end of the day, when we elect folks, we need to elect folks who can not only are willing to work with the other side, but understand that it, particularly this kind of office, the Secretary of State has to, of Arizona and every other state has to ensure that every American voter has their fundamental right upheld and that they are respected as an American voter first and a partisan second. That's critically important. And so this is the kind of candidate that, that, that I have been. That's how I acted as, as county recorder. And I think that's one of the reasons why we did well is because folks are like, yeah, this guy's going to play it straight. And oh, by the way, everybody but the cyber ninjas has effectively has effectively said the same. <laughs> so that's that's why I'm running. Uh, I, I'm hoping that, uh, you know, we can get some support, not just here in the, in, in, in the Grand Canyon state, but around the country. And, and I really appreciate the chance to talk a little about it. Yeah, no problem. It's been it's been a pleasure talking to you. Everybody in Arizona, go to well, everybody go to electfontes.com, contribute if you can. And if you're if you're an Arizonan, I think you have to be an Arizonan to sign that petition to get you on the ballot. Am I correct? Absolutely. Which is one of the things that's interesting. Guess what, Arizona, you can sign a petition <laughs> to get a statewide candidate on the ballot. You can sign a petition online to get a legislator on the ballot, but you cannot sign a petition to get many uh, county officials or other ones on the ballot. Uh, they got to go out there and do it on paper. Oh, by the way, initiatives and referenda are the same. So that's one of the things I want to fix as secretary of state. Why should only the state level politicians benefit from that online petition signature stuff? when everybody else gets left out. We've got to equalize. We've got to level the playing field on that. Good, good point. Thank you so much for your time today. Uh, again, everyone, that's electfontest.com. And uh, we will check back with you as this as this progresses, okay? Always, always happy to come and chat with you. Take care. All right, thanks. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hello, everybody. It's Allison for The Beans. This segment is sponsored by Toodaloo. Say goodbye to boring, bland trail mix with chemicals that harm your health and the environment. Did you know most trail mixes are filled with processed sugars and dirty nuts that are roasted in toxic refined oils like canola, palm, and soybean? But not Toodaloo. Toodaloo is the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, and climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant protein, superfoods, and adaptogens like lion's mane and ashwagandha to support your body and mind. Toodaloo is available in five different flavors, chocolate, maple brittle, coffee, barbecue, and hot and spicy. In each flavor, there are ancient herbs that promote a specific function of the body like better skin or better gut health. 
My favorite is Smoke Show. It's got 42 grams of plant protein per bag. It's their barbecue flavor. It's also low in carbs and it supports energy flow to get you through the day. Toodaloo is grain-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, dairy-free, processed sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic neutral. Uh, Also, Toodaloo regenerates 100 square feet of polluted farmland back into rich, fertile soil for each order placed. Amazing. And, uh, you know, nutritious food for you, cleaner planet for us, everyone. We've got a special offer for you, too. You get $5 off your first order of Toodaloo. Not you two, the band, but like you all. Just visit toodaloo.com slash beans. That's toodaloo, T-O-O-D-A-L-O-O dot com slash beans. And Toodaloo is so confident that you'll love it. Each purchase is backed by a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack. It is mine. Seriously, the taste is amazing. So visit toodaloo.com slash beans to try it today. And also, this is a new podcast you have to check out. On September 11th, 2001, on 9-11, 60 amateur sailors were at sea filming a reality show on an 18th century replica ship. They were weeks from land and the nearest TV or radio. That morning, a single message was conveyed through the one satellite phone they had. The message was four planes hijacked, two towers down, Pentagon attacked, thousands dead. And that was it. Not a single other piece of information for weeks. What was it like to experience 9-11 in isolation like that? And how would they make sense of the radically different world they would return to? This is just one of the stories in 912, the new podcast series from Amazon Music and Pineapple Street Studios. In each episode of 912, host Dan Taberski tells the stories of characters whose lives would never be the same after September 11th. Through them, we begin to realize that there are new lessons to be learned and that we might just have enough distance now between us and 9-11 to make sense of some things we couldn't understand before. I highly recommend our listeners check out 912. The inside stories are compelling and eye-opening. If you're interested in taking a deep dive to really learn more about 9-11, you've got to listen and subscribe to 912. Follow 912 wherever you get your podcasts, or you can binge all seven episodes right now on Amazon Music or with Wondery Plus. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Dana, I guess we needed more good news on top I mean, of all the good news today. Give it all to me. I would do this every day if I could. Mm-mm-mm. All right. First up. Oh, by the way, if you have anything you want to send in to us, confessions, corrections, uh, good news, all any of the games we play, send them in. Dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. First up, anonymous pronouns he and him. Good morning, Beans Queens. My name is Jay, and I'm writing to tell you about my mistaken lyrics. The, in the song Lean On... By Major Laser featuring Mo and DJ Snake. Okay. Uh, the ever popular lean. <laughs> I don't know this one. Do you know this one, Dana? I don't, but the misheard lyric is hilarious because I listened to the audio clip we have. <laughs> okay. In the first few lines, there's a section that goes, we were bold and young. However, for many weeks downloading uh, after downloading the song, I was singing, we were bowling, y'all. From across the room, my wife politely says, what are you saying? And then loses it in a fit of laughter when I tell her. We still joke about it to this day. My pet tax is a pic of our Abyssinian Agador Spartacus. Yes. He will fall down. I don't yes. wear shoes because they make me fall down. <laughs> I cannot wear shoes. <laughs> Did you see the, you know, how the, you know, my fall plans. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> You've seen the, the meme, my fall plans and the Delta variant. Yes. My favorite one is my fall plans is Agador Spartacus That's- dressed up. Dressed Amazing. up as, uh, you know, when he sings, come on, everybody, let's do the conga. Yeah. And then and then the Delta variant is just a pair of shoes. 
That's funny. Cheever's hard for the money. So hard for it, honey. Hank Azaria is a genius. Brilliant in that movie. They all were. And uh, and manga is uh, a form of is a form of Japanese comics. Oh oh the oh the uh, didn't they have another cat named Manga? And I was like, what is that? It's Japanese comics. Okay, cool. There we oh, go. What a beautiful cat. That is legit. We were bowling, y'all. It is. It is. <laughs> uh-uh. I'm with you, Anonymous. I'm with you on this one. That yeah. We were bowling, y'all. Oh, look at this kitty, too. Oh, my God. So good. Oh, oh I'm afraid of her Guatemalaness. Oh, my goodness. Of her heat. <laughs> That's right. I'm afraid of your heat. I love him. I'm yes, Nathan Lane I'm af- and Robin Williams. My God, you're right. I know when he goes, uh, "Why are you giving him drugs? It's the, what are Pirin tablets?" He goes, "It's aspirin with the A and the S scraped it's off." It's A and the S scraped off. Don't worry, Miss. Yeah. That's genius. Oh my God. <sighs> <laughs> All right. This next one's from Jim. Pronouncing him. I have a feeling we're going to be quoting that the rest of the good news. Uh, I yesterday, just- I checked in with my eldest to find out how grad school is going, and they shared that they listened to Hallelujah in class, and the teacher said Leonard Cohen originally wrote eighty verses. My internet research confirms this, or at least he had 80 draft verses, which is why his lyrics would differ from performance to performance and covers differ as well. That is interesting. I thought you might enjoy the trivia. Jim, I did. 80. I mean, I knew there were a lot. But you get to sing one in the next, you get to oh. sing one or we can sing oh, it together. Cool. Yeah. All right, here we go. From Owen, pronouns he and him. Hello from Australia, Beans, Queens. Here's my contribution to the MSW Hallelujah Project. That sounds sounds like a legit organization. (laughs) NPR today is sponsored by the Brookings Institute and MSW Hallelujah Project. All right, here we go. I get the news from Daily Beans to find out what this shit all means. AG and DG explain it to you. The A block builds the rage and then the good news brings, brings it, it down, down again. again. And people of the beans sing hallelujah. 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 <laughs> I'm kidding. I could go on, but I won't. All right, this is my third submission in recent times. You've already seen my uber-fluffy Japanese spits, his ginger kitty brother who loves him, whether he likes it or not, and my idiot greyhound with the amputated tail. <laughs> so today's pet tax is my stepson's green-cheeked conure-munching on popcorn. All Of all the animals in our house, this one has the highest personality-to-body <gasps> weight ratio by far. Thanks for being the best. Look at that baby! Oh, it's a beautiful parrot with a very large kernel of popcorn. Mary Trump would love this. Love that. Just saying. Thank you. Thank you. Um, This next one's from Jan. Pronouns she and her. Hi, beans, ladies. Your show has given me a new and better perspective of the country, and I thank you for that. My good news is that I have a super funny pup. He's not eligible for what the mutt, as he's obviously a golden retriever. Kelton is a oh, two come on, you gotta let me guess those. I mean, I know me we the, can at least get the, those. Thanks, Jan. <laughs> Kelton's a two-year-old that sleeps with his teddy. He watches TV regularly, enjoys dressing up for the occasion. Pictured as Kelton with his teddy, Kelton ready to watch the Kentucky Derby, and Kelton watching beach volleyball during the Tokyo Olympics. 
keep up your great work. Look at Colton with his teddy bear. And then this next picture. (gasps) Oh, the Kentucky Derby hat. Oh my God, the Beach Olympics. (laughs) I can't. What a cute dog. Oh, so sweet. Thank you for that submission. Next up from Walt, pronouns he and him. Thanks for the great show. You're the first cast I listen to in the morning. I discovered you from aisle 45. And over the course of the summer, I went from skipping the good news to looking forward to it. A contribution for shit kids say, this time literally. When our son was, uh uh-oh, around two, my wife and I were running errands with him and he was saying the names of stores and landmarks as we drove past them. And at one point, my wife realized she forgot to bring our electric bill to drop off and said, board of light and power, shit. (laughs) Our son immediately responded, McDonald's, shit. Burger King, shit. Walmart, shit. We knew not to chastise nor encourage him. So it was all we could do not to laugh. For pet tax, a picture of Coco, a Chihuahua Boston Terrier mix riding with us a quarter century later. Nice. Wow. She was a perpetual puppy that we found at a garage sale in 2008 when she was two and a half. She was an escape artist and her then family said they had recently moved out of the country, not not far from a highway, and they were worried that she'd get hit by a car. She supported their story by escaping out our front door the night we brought her home. (laughs) Fortunately for us, she ran into a fence between two houses. Oh, my God. Her great escape was in 2014 when she escaped from a boarding kennel by digging through some weathered concrete and crawling under a fence. Like all good dogs, she headed for Dairy Queen, where someone found her and called us three states away. The kennel stay comped this, the kennel comped us the stay, and because we knew Coco well, we couldn't blame them nor shame them. Last February, she made her final escape from the world of the living and the doggy dementia had that had tormented her for over a year. Okay, first oh. of all, I don't know if I've heard of many dogs living to twenty five. This dog is still very cute and alert, co-piloting clearly what appears to be a road trip. And that's also a beautiful picture of the owner. Oh, my goodness. What a beautiful story. Oh, what a sweet soul. Thank you for that. All right. We got Migs. Uh, pronoun she and her. Hi, Beans Badasses. I really appreciate all of your support you have, with, um, have within the podcast community, and I love all the episodes with the guest hosts. Thanks for keeping the content coming while you got some much-needed vacation time. And thank you all as well uh, for always bringing the hardcore bad and softcore good news. I've submitted some good news recently. I felt like this news was much better and worth sharing. My coworker was trapped in Kabul, made it back home with his wife to the United States. While they were not citizens, he has a work visa and his wife qualified for refugee status. Now comes another hurdle. The U.S. has strict vaccination rules for refugees. They require that all refugees be vaccinated within seven days of being approved for refugee status with the USCIS for COVID-19, tuberculosis, MMR, polio, and possibly more. He has been vaccinated for some of these already, but his wife hasn't. Meanwhile, they're also trying to find a new place to live. So here's the good news on that. I volunteer with a group that specifically helps people navigate the immigration process, including refugees and asylum seekers. Side note, thank you from the Daily Beans hosts. Mm. Uh, We work with everyone to meet their court cases. 
language barrier needs, basic needs like food, housing, and doctor's appointments, and so on. So luckily, I'm able to help him figure out all of that stuff. Fingers crossed it all goes well, but it is just such a relief to have him safe and back in the United States and that his wife made it too. Our company HR department is also working with him on health insurance to add her to his account. I'm also working with him right now on this, and I hope to have more good news as this awesome guy has his family members who are still back in Kabul. The only thing that I can't help him with is housing. Most refugee families are being housed in motels because there isn't enough affordable housing available. Much like with those escaping the California fires, finding temporary living space is difficult right now. We work hard in Afghanistan, and I have confidence that there will be more people evacuated. How this will be accomplished is still uncertain, but I know that our allies are working with us on working on this with us too. I hope all of you Beans folks are doing okay, taking care of yourselves and reminding yourselves that there are lots of good people helping one another out in the world. Also, be sure to reach out if you're not feeling okay. It's okay if you aren't, but it helps to have someone there for support. I've already sent in too many pictures of my animals, so here's one of our queer family. I'm on the right. Thanks again, Bean Bombshells, and also be sure to let your Beans family know if you need support too. We have our, we have your backs. What a great oh, picture. Mix, mix. I love Thank that. I love queer sweet. families. What an amazing story. And I'm so glad that your coworker is back and his wife Me too. Um, could come with them. What an extraordinary thing. Yeah, we definitely have a shortage of affordable housing. Yeah, that's, no kidding. That's for sure. If anybody knows anyone um, working in that arena, you know, reach out to the pod and let us know. We'll put you in touch with Migs. Um, and see if we can't get help get that sorted out. If anyone works with um, refugee housing, yeah, absolutely. We have a lot. We have a wide net. We have a wide net. Let's throw it. Yep, agreed. All right, that is the good news for today. Thanks for sending your stuff in. If you have anything you want to share with us, please do at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Do you have anything uh, you want to talk about before we get out of here today? No, Dana? I'm good today. I feel really energized by this episode and just very happy. So thank you for everyone who participated in that, including the national news for, for one godforsaken day. Yeah. And if there are any LGBTQ plus veterans who aren't sure how to get uh, their benefits, I have a, a thread up on Twitter uh, about it today. Uh, well, it was posted on Sunday afternoon. So look, if, look for that thread. I give all like it's it's a pretty big thread. I give all the pertinent information you need. And, uh, you know, reach out. The best thing that you can do first step is reach out to a veteran service organization like the VFW. You don't have to be a veteran of foreign of foreign wars to to reach out to the VFW or Purple Heart. Uh, any any veteran service organization in your area, they have they will represent you for free with your claim and they will answer all of your benefits questions. Um, so I just wanted to give you a little bit, a couple of resources there if if you think that you might be entitled to these benefits after so, so long. And thank you for your service. Uh, And everybody, until tomorrow, please take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been Allison Gill. And I've been Dana Goldberg. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.